Carl Weezer, and when I'm not out picking up chicks, well, they're really baby chickens, but I get a lot of phone numbers. Well, I listen to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. lived in Halifax at the time and they had a they had this free weekly newspaper uh, there called the the coast they needed a comic strip to go above the phone sex ads at the back of the paper $45 a strip which is like no money considering you know considering I would spend like an entire day working on these comics um, but you know like I was really poor at the time and I really needed that $45 a week here are your hosts Jamie Green and Justin Connors Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the GBB Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the GBB Podcast. And you can find us here <laughs> on in your where, ears. Wherever you found us to download this episode. That's where you, that's where you, else you can find us. <laughs> and you know what? I say that and we're laughing, but when I've done Google searches on our podcast, there's so many different places that distribute, like they must yeah. take the feed out of iTunes or something. There's places yeah. I haven't even heard of that have our show up on their page. Well, that's good, right? Yes. I well, mean, no, I'm not complaining. Yeah. <laughs> there's no possible way I could tell you all the places you could find it. I just like every week trying to listen, listening to you try to get it all out in one breath. Yes. That's, that's my amusement for the week. That's the fun part, right? <laughs> so, um, I'm excited. This week, uh, we haven't talked to somebody that's in comics for a while, have we? I don't even remember the last time. Uh, not somebody who's currently still in comics for a while, but yeah. So no. I'm, I'm really ex- excited about this interview. Um, and for me, a lot of people, you probably know I'm Canadian, so it's always fun to interview a, a Canadian person who has come up in the industry. We have this mindset sometimes here that because we're Canadian we can't necessarily break into popular culture with things. We, we'll, we can be big just in Canada, but it's always cool when you see someone that's still living here that's writing and, you know, they're widely, they're widely distribute, distributed and whatnot. I know that's, Absolutely. that's that means something to me, but <laughs> no, it's great. And it, it is great to see. I mean, it's, it's not a monopoly, you know I mean? The creativity yeah. is everywhere and it's nice to see, you know, publishers here reach out and see, I mean, it just, just the Canadian border. It's not like we're talking about that we're going to like no. Nigeria or something, but it's still, you know, I mean, creativity is everywhere and it's fantastic to see people everywhere get tapped and, you know, sort of increase their audience and tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us about our guest today? This week we are joined by Faith Erin Hicks. Um, she's got a new book out, the first of a trilogy uh, with first, second books. It's called The Nameless City. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome guys. Um, you should pick this up. It's, it's it sets up this entire, it, this fantastic, um, world that's inspired by Asian culture. Um, but she create basically, she does incredible amount of world building in this. Um, you're going to be attached to the characters and attached to their journey and their story. Um, and when you get to the last page, you're just going to be dying for book two. Um, but she, she came up, uh, 
through a lot of web web comics, um, and she's been all around the block with a whole bunch of different publishers. Um, some of the books that you guys may know is uh, she did Brain Camp, Friends with Boys, which was a really big hit. Um, she was the genius, as far as I'm concerned, behind the Adventures of Superhero Girl, which was uh, just a um, a comic strip, like actually in a newspaper, uh, which was then collected and published by Dark Horse. Um, and it's just, it's a phenomenal story, and I love the character. Um, and she's done uh, a lot of a lot of stuff. We're gonna link to everything. Um, I can't possibly cover it all, but we do cover quite a bit of it in our chat. Um, so please listen in and uh, enjoy. Right, and this interview has she gives us a lot of great insight into. Um, how the comic industry works and how she works personally with it. Um, I find everybody's different, so it's really neat to hear her her yeah. take on how how she creates. So enjoy, make sure you pay attention. Don't <laughs> don't go do something else. <laughs> Is there going to be a test after? Yes, I will have a ten question test, and if you do not okay, if you don't pass it, it's going to be hard. And uh, if you I'm don't taking, pass I'm it, you notes. can't download our podcast anymore. Just <laughs> uh, okay, I'm taking notes. All right, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> so um, let's sort of go back to the beginning for a second. Um, I know that you went to college for animation and you worked in animation for a number of years. Um, just curious, what led to the move to webcomics and graphic novels? Um, well, I was, I was actually doing web comics before I went to college for animation. Um, I was doing, I did a, a web comic called Demonology 101 for about five years, um, before it, through university and then also through college. Um, and that was actually how I really fell in love with cartooning and with drawing. Um, and then honestly, I thought, like, I never thought that I would be able to professionally make my living doing comics. I, I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't, I didn't really know how cartoonists made a living. Like, the only, I was only aware of, like, Marvel and DC, right? right. And looking at my work and then what they published, I was like, well, they're never going to hire me. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just do comics for fun. And then I'll go to school for animation and hopefully I will have a career in animation. Like, that seemed like the sensible thing to do. You know, mm -hmm. like, animation is an industry, you know, like you can go to school for it, you can get internships and that kind of thing. Whereas comics, it's like, there isn't really a clear direct path to making a living at comics. Um, so yeah, I went to college for animation um, and I made web comics all throughout that time. Um, and then I worked in animation for about four years until 2008 and then the economy collapsed in 2008 and um, uh, you know, I'm Canadian, but uh, the Canadian and animation industries uh, or Canadian and American animation industries uh, are very closely knit. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the work in Canada, it comes from American sources. So it's like if American companies aren't hiring and they aren't producing, then um, there's no work in Canada either. Right. So in 2008, I, I, I couldn't find another job. There wasn't any work. So uh, I got this one job doing uh, a, drawing a graphic novel for first second called Brain Camp mm -hmm. uh, that came out in 2010, I think. Um, and I was like, okay, I have this one job. You know, it, it pays. I, it basically paid me enough money that I could live on for about six months. Um, I, I lived real cheap back then. <laughs> um, so I decided I was just going to do that until the money ran out. And um, here it is. Like. Yeah. 
2016, <laughs> eight years later, and I'm still doing comics. I never yeah. went back to animation, but yeah, like there was no, like, honestly, I, it wasn't a choice. It was just, I was, I was given work. Um, I, and somehow was able to transition into do, working on comics full time. I, I still, it's still weird and still kind of like astonishing to me that it actually worked out that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I imagine, you know, eight years later, some 10 books later, something, yeah. several of awards later, it's not really a decision that you regret, correct? No, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's just like, it's kind of weird to look back on those early years because it's like, like technically it didn't take me a long time to transition to doing comics full time. Like it was a couple years where, um, like through like 2010, basically where the work was kind of infrequent, you know, like my finances were pretty shaky. Um, and that was like a pretty scary time. You know, I didn't know if comics was going to work for me, you know, if I was actually going to be able to make a living wage. Um, so, you know, like during that time, it was really scary. But like looking back on it now, it was like, oh, it was only two years where I like <laughs> really had to struggle, you know, where mm -hmm. I was like beating the pavement for work and taking like every job. Um, but when you're in the midst of that, it's like you don't know how long it's going to last. It could be <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah, like you don't know. You don't know if, if it's actually going to gonna work out OK. But it yeah. did, weirdly enough. Yeah. Well, great. So Justin, from a, yeah, that's okay, man. Um, from from a genre perspective, your books are kind of all over the place, which must yeah. be great creatively. Um, so let's talk about Nameless City. Why this story now? Um, well, uh, there's a dumb story behind that. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, basically, what happened was I did I did two books for first second that were set in like a contemporary high school setting. So I did. Um, I did Friends with Boys, which I wrote and drew. They came out in 2012. And then I did Nothing Can Possibly Go Wrong, which was based on uh, a novel by Prudence Shen. And those were both like high school books, like, you know, kids in high school, realistic high school situation. And it was like, they were both very enjoyable to draw. But at, at the end of those two books, I just, I was like, I, I literally said to my editor, I don't want to draw any more school lockers. Like I was just really, really bored um, of drawing that kind of thing. So, you know, right after, um, I think it was like pretty much right after nothing can possibly go wrong. Um, I started pitching for second nameless city and I was like, you know, this is this fantasy story that I like. It was a little different at the time. You know, I was like, I want to do a series. Um, and they were basically like, no, we'd rather have you do another high school because, <laughs> you know, like friends with boys was pretty successful for them. So they were like, we, we like, you know, we, we like, we want to build you up as like this YA yeah. contemporary high school mm -hmm. author. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I left for, I left for a second for not left, but you know, I went and worked with other publishers for about a year and a half. I did, uh, the last of us with Darth course, uh, which is a video game comic. And I did a, a kid's graphic novel series with, uh, Jay Torres called Bigfoot boy. Um, and that was published by Canadian publisher Kids Can Press. And then after those projects were over, um, I'd spent more time on Nameless City and like developed it into a story that was um, I, better, I think, definitely better, uh, sh slightly shorter. <laughs> uh, I, I originally pitched the series as four books rather than three and for a second finally bought it. So it was just like, I don't know, I was just sick of drawing high school stories. <laughs> I don't blame I you. To draw something that was challenging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that you kind of, you, you kind of touched on this. I mean, you included some concept art in the back of the book. 
Uh, yeah. And you mentioned that you've been working on Nameless City for a long time. And yeah. you said you, know, you pitched it in 2012, mm-hmm. um, which was four years ago now. Um, how long before you pitched it had you been really thinking about it and stirring the ideas around? Um, well, I actually found, uh, I'm not very good at, at dating my stuff, but I found uh, sketches of the characters in sketchbooks from 2007. Wow. So, like, it was a lot different back then. Um, it was basically just, like, this, fa- like, generic fantasy story idea that I messed around with um, in my spare time. You know, just, you know, like... I, I liked the idea of doing like an, an action story with kids in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just basically like doodling these characters. Uh, yeah. As far back as 2007, but yeah, it's really different. It's kind of funny to look back on that older concept art and be like, Oh, it's, it's so different. And it's so like, I'm so glad I didn't go in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, the story is obviously rooted very much in an, you know, an Asian aesthetic. It looks yep. like a, it's got Asian architecture and yep. clothing. Very much so. So yep. what was your thinking behind that decision? Why choose that setting and that idea? Well, that actually kind of developed um, parallel as I was working on the comic. Like um, I, I had just been reading some nonfiction books about uh, Chinese history Um, I read a book called The Secret History of the Mongol Queens, which was about, you know, post Genghis Khan, kind of the kind of the the breakup of Genghis Khan's empire. Um, And then I also read a biography of of Kublai Khan that was really interesting. And I don't know, it just like I the history books that I was reading started to kind of seep into this fantasy world of Nameless City. And when I kind of realized that I was like, well, um, then it's probably the best thing for me to do is for me to take directly from history and make these characters um, Mongolian and Chinese and, you know, Central Asian. Yeah. Does that um, setting and story, um, does it also somewhat kind of find its root in your love of manga? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like... Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I really, I like manga a lot. Um, I'm pretty selective in what I read. I don't read everything. Um, and I tend to read like, I don't know, like shonen and seinen, I guess, and, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer because it's like, I need some good, like girly manga to read. <laughs> I feel like that's something that's really lacking in my life. Uh, I think, uh, uh, I'm not sure who the publisher is, but they're finally going to publish Princess Jellyfish in English. So I'm excited to read that. Um, I really like the anime for that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but you know, like there's a lot of things that manga does that, uh, North American comics don't do that I really like. Like I like decompression, you know, I like storytelling that is very much rooted in like characters, emotional journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like stylistically a lot of nameless city, a lot of my work, like dating back to like, I don't know, 2010 thereabouts, uh, starting with friends with boys, I think, um, is very much rooted in manga. Um, like I remember when I first found, um, Nokia Urasawa, who is the author of a number of series published in English, uh, Monster, 20th Century Boys, and Pluto, uh, my three favorites. Um, but I remember when I first found his work, like his work is very decompressed and it's very like rooted in the performance of the characters that he's drawing. And I was like, holy cow, like he just, you know, blew my mind wide open because he was like, he was doing what I really wanted to do in my own work. And I didn't quite have the skills to, um, execute that. Yeah. So yeah, that was super cool to find him finally. So yeah, I'm, I'm super into manga. I think manga is great. I mean, in general, do you think that 
where do you think your biggest artistic influences have come from throughout your career? I mean, from Western comics or from manga, or is it really just a blending of the two? You take what you like from each. Um, like, I think it's all three, definitely. But, um, like, I didn't, I didn't read a ton of comics, uh, like, when I first started drawing. And that had, it didn't have to do with me not wanting to. It had a lot of, a lot to do with access. Mm-hmm. Um, like, now comics are a lot more accessible. You know, you can go to bookstores and find them. You can go to libraries and find them. You can find them online. Um, but back in, like, you know the late nineties and, you know, through like the mid aughts, it's like the only comics I really read were web comics or like, you know, occasionally I'd go to this horrible comic store in my hometown and get like X-Men comics. <laughs> um, yeah, but man, times have really changed. Um, but I feel like, yeah, like I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I just sort of get influences from whatever I like, but especially initially, I think maybe animation had more of an influence because it was more accessible to me, right? Like I was, I grew mm-hmm. up watching, you know, like the 90s Disney's, Disney movies and those were like super influential on my work. Um, and now I think, um, now I think my style is definitely a blend of like Western and, um, you know, manga, Japanese influences, especially. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to read more French comics, but you know, they're not, they're less accessible, which is, which is kind of too bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the size of nameless city might surprise some people since it clocks in at around 250 pages. Um, can you give us a sense of how long the final story will be once all the three books are out? <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully it'll be about the same length. Okay. Um, the second book is, uh, so the first one is, um, I think like 200 and 30, 30 pages, something like that. And the second one is 238 pages. So it's not much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm going to be writing it this summer, so we'll see right. hopefully, but I want to keep it about the same length. Cause like, you know, yeah. yeah. May as well keep it uniform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see. <laughs> I have to, there's a lot of stuff I have to jam in that third book. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You, I mean, we talked about web comics quite a bit, and I know you've worked extensively in in web comics. That's where you got your start. Um, but as a creator who's worked in both that serialized storytelling mode and in graphic novels, where it's one story packed into this many pages, what's the biggest difference for you, I guess, as a creator and coming at it in terms of how you tell your story? Um, well, I mean, when you're doing web comics, it's like the audience is there with you throughout the entire process of making the story. Um, and you also get the opportunity to get feedback while you're making the story. So that's really nice, you know? So sometimes it's like the audience really responds to a certain character and they really engage with that character. And sometimes it's nice to like give that character more to do or, you know, to develop their, their arc in a certain way based on how the audience is responding or the readership is responding to them. Um, with graphic novels, it's like, there's, it's just you and your editor, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like you have developed this story and then you send it out into the world and you pray that people actually like it. Um, I mean, there's benefits, there's benefits and disadvantages to both. Like, um, you know, like sometimes I feel like potentially there is the temptation to compromise your story, you know, in order to please an audience. If you're doing a web comic, if you, you know, possibly alter your story too much because you like the way readers are responding to something. Um, or, you know, like with graphic novels, it's like you run the risk of like sending this story out there into the world and everybody hates it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So, so yeah, I, I don't know. If that's, it's, it's super easy compared to how it used to be for an artist or even an author to just put your work out there with, you know, with the mm-hmm. internet. It's so oh, easy yeah. just, just to throw it out there and get immediate feedback or criticism or whatever. Um, but in your opinion, is that ease, for people who are just starting, like a young artist or a young author, is that ease a benefit or a hazard, do you think? Um, like, I'm not really sure what, like, mm, yeah, that's a good question. I've never actually thought about that. Um, you know, because you, you had I, just said that, like, you know, you look back on some of your work on Nameless City mm-hmm. from 2007, you're like, oh, God, good thing I didn't go that direction. Oh, yeah. But if you're, you know, just starting out, you may throw, you may have just have thrown that up on the internet and, and yeah. run with that. Yeah. And I mean, potentially, like, yeah, I guess that could be a downside that potentially you could rush, like, a story out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, like, there's a part of me that's like, Sometimes I feel like, especially if you're a young artist, like say you're like not a professional, you're someone whose skills are developing. Like, I, I kind of think that can be good sometimes. You know, like when I started making comics, like I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I had no, no idea of how to tell a story. I didn't even really know how to draw. But it's like I just put my stuff out there and my skills developed as I worked. And it was like, and that was very enjoyable, you know, just mm-hmm. to like develop the skills like as I worked, you know rather than, and I feel like that's what encouraged me to keep going. Because I I think if I'd like sat in my room and tried to draw a graphic novel from, you know, page one to page Mm -hmm. like 150, I never would have finished, you know, whereas putting it online, developing a relationship with an audience, Mm -hmm. that allowed me to keep going and it gave me encouragement. I mean, I feel like the downside, the downside right to that possibly could be that there's just so many people online right now. Like when I was doing web comics, it was at first, especially it's like the audiences were very small and they were also very kind, you know, like people were willing to put up with bad art, with bad writing because there were so few comics online, you know, people were just grateful for free online comics. Whereas nowadays it's like the web comic standard is very high and it's like, people are like really (laughs) entitled sometimes. Like, Yeah, and I saw some I saw some crap on Tumblr the other day and like I couldn't even believe it. Like people just berating this artist because um she was like uh she, apparently she didn't put like the the epilogue to a popular webcomic that she did online. She was selling it. And I was like like she has the right to do whatever yeah. she wants with her comic. Like that, you know, like that is her right. Mm-hmm. And people were just like having having a fit and like screaming at her. And I was like, Oh my God, like leave this poor lady alone. Um, The entitlement has gone through the roof. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think if I was like, and I was like, you know, a super sensitive like baby artist at age 20. And I don't know if I'd had someone like telling me my art was shit and telling me (laughs) to like, you know, go to hell that they hated my comics or something like that at that age, I feel like that would be difficult. You know, like that would be a really hard thing to deal with at that early stage. So I don't know. I mean, I kind of go back and forth about it because it's like, if you want to do something, you should mm-hmm. just do it and you shouldn't let people discourage you. But at the same time, it's like, I know what it's like to be, you know, yeah. young and thin skinned and mm-hmm. having people shit on this, you know, this thing that you made that you're proud on is really proud of is really difficult. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of go back and forth. Like now I'm kind of like tough and jaded. on the. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to ignore people online once you have yeah, practice, it is. right? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's like now it's like. If I get a bad review or if someone mm-hmm. tells me they hate my work, it's like, 
I'm I'm sorry, and like that hurts, but you know I have an Eisner, so yeah, yeah, like I've got an Eisner, (laughs) and not every book is for everyone either, you know. And even even if I, I I'm a huge fan of one book that you've made. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to be a fan no. of the next book you make, you know. No, that's no, and that's that's something you have to accept as well. Like, um, yeah, like I, I, I'm interested. Like a lot of people have been commenting on the difference between Nameless City and my earlier work, and like I haven't had any negative comments in the sense of pe- someone saying, "Oh, I much preferred like your high school stories." Mm-hmm. But like, if someone does, that's totally fine. Like, you know, it's it's art. It's not for everyone, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's um, speaking of the adventures of superhero girl is a huge hit in my house. My daughter oh. adores it. Hey. I mean, she's probably younger than the demographic you were targeting with it. <laughs> she's only <almost> seven, <laughs> but uh, she loves it. So oh, great. on be on her behalf, I have to ask, is there any chance that we might see more? Oh, I hope so. Like, um, like the, the response to superhero girl has been really astonishing. Like, you know, I, I just did these comics, <sighs> I mean, you know, the story is 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 kind of dumb. Like, um, I, I lived in Halifax at the time, and they had a they had this free weekly newspaper uh, there called the the Coast, and they needed a comic strip to go above the phone sex ads at the back of the paper, <laughs> and they were like, just do whatever, you know, and we'll pay you forty five dollars a strip, which is like <laughs> no money considering you know yeah. considering I would spend like an entire day working on these comics. Um, but you know, like I was really poor at the time and I really needed that $45 a week. So I just did these comics and they didn't care. Like I got zero feedback from them just as long as I delivered something to go above the phone sex ads, you know, like, and then Dark Horse picked it up because, oh, I posted it online and then Dark Horse picked it up. Um, and then, you know, like they just did like this tiny little print run. But man, like it's the long tail on that book has been incredible. Like, you know, it continues to sell even though it's been out for a number of years. And then, you know, I won the Eisner for it, which was crazy. Like, (laughs) crazy. Like, I just, I don't know. The the success of that book is something that just really astonishes me. So, but I I mean, I really like the character and it's nice because, you know, like I can just do like short stories about her. I did a couple short stories about her for this anthology called uh, True Patriot, which is about Canadian superheroes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like I'd really, I'd like to go back to her and maybe do like web comics or something like that. But, um, my schedule would have to lighten up considerably and it's probably not going to do that this year. (laughs) See, I'll continue to keep my fingers crossed then. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, at least, at least I really like the character and it, it, it would, I would like to go back to her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you've worked, this has come up, you've worked on for a number of different publishers, um, But with Nameless City, once that's done, it's going to be a trilogy. I think at that point, more than half of your books will have have landed at first second. I think. I think I did the math right. Possibly, yeah. You're probably or, right. Or generally around half. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm a huge fan of the books that they put out. I think they've certainly been able to sort of carve a niche for themselves with the stories yeah. that they've been able to tell and the the creators that they've been able to put out there. Mm-hmm. When you're working on a new project. Um, and you know, it doesn't have a home yet. Do you, as you're working, is that something that's in your mind? Like, do you think to yourself, which publisher is going to be a good, the best fit for this story? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like with Nameless City, it was like, I knew I really wanted it to be first second, you know, and that's why 
I spent so much time working on the story and, you know, redeveloping it when they initially said no, because, um, you know, I wanted to do a middle grade graphic novel series, your trilogy, whichever. Um, and, you know, like, if I want to reach those readers, so readers in schools, readers in libraries, that kind of thing, then I needed to work with a book publisher. So, you know, that would have been first, second or scholastic or, um, amulet or something like that um and you know like i had a good relationship with first second my you know like i really like my editor there um so i really wanted it to be them uh, so this project was definitely like it was them or i don't know you know i, I don't know yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah you know like i have i have some stuff in you know some story ideas that are very like genre heavy and like not appropriate for first second at all yeah. <laughs> you know it would have to be something like dark horse or image um but then, you know, like I have a lot of, lot of, not a lot, but I have a few skew stories that skew younger and it's like, you know, publishers like like Dark Horse or Image, that's not really their bread and butter, right? Like mm -hmm. their bread and butter is like the older comic, the adult comics, comic book reader, which, you know, that's that's me as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like it's it's definitely helpful to kind of know ahead of time, you know, what, what your publisher can get you, you know, and what, mm -hmm. and what readership they can, they can actually access for you. Yeah. So a common theme that we've had uh, with comic creators that we've had on our show is a lot of them have started out by writing or drawing books that are to some extent autobiographical. So this makes sense, obviously, but at what point do you think it's more comfortable to break out of that mold, break out of the what you know mold when you're writing? Is there a point that you reach where, where it's like that? Or was it ever like that for you? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like I was kind of fortunate in that, um, initially, like not initially, sorry. Um, but throughout like, like, so the first two books I did, uh, two graphic novels, which were published, published by SLG publishing. Um, those were mine, but then I worked with writers for a number of years. So I did brain camp, which was written by Susan Kim and Lawrence Clavin. Mm -hmm. So that was like their story and their, okay. like their dialogue. Um, and then I also worked with Jay Torres with this Bigfoot Boy series. And uh, let's see, who else did I work with? Oh, and then The Last of Us was co-written by Neil Druckmann, who is the game writer for that The Last of Us game. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like working with them, it's like, that was really great because, oh, mm -hmm. and then I also adapted um, Nothing Can Possibly Go Wrong, which is Prudence Shen's story. Um, so that was kind of fun because it's like, you know, they brought their experiences. So, you know, I wasn't always doing comics that were like about me and my experiences. Yeah. Um, like Friends with Boys, that one was definitely like where I used my own life as a jumping off point. You know, like I was um, I was homeschooled and it's about until high school and it's about this homeschooled girl who's going into public high school for the very mm -hmm. first time. And she has three brothers and I have three brothers. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was a book where it was specifically like based on my life or I used my own life as a, as a jumping off point. And honestly, after I finished that book, I was like, I'm never writing about myself again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like there are some people, uh, you know, who are like they're autobiographical cartoonists, you know, and it's like they're able to mine their own life for you know, drama and intrigue. And it's like, I'm not that person. Like, I just, I totally, I get sick of myself so easily. And I'm just like, I want to, I want to like research things. And I want to like look at different cultures and different types of people who are different from me and, you know, try and understand them and try and, you know, write from their perspective. Um, and that was definitely like the biggest challenge for me with Nameless City, where it's like I was specifically researching this different culture um, and using it as a basis for this fantasy world. 
Um, you know, and I wanted to be very meticulous and very specific with my research because it's like, you know, I wanted, I, I'm not Chinese, you know, and I wanted to approach this, this culture with humbleness and sincerity. So hopefully, hopefully I did that. But yeah, like for me, it's like once I did, once I did Friends with Boys, I was like, no, nah, I'm never, I'm never writing about myself again. <laughs> it's because it's, it's, it's like, I don't know. Like, I feel like as a writer, it's like, there's so many great stories out mm -hmm. there. And my life is boring. And, you know, like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a very interesting person, you know? So why would I want to, why would I want to stay in my own head and only tell my own stories when there are like people out there who are so much more interesting than me? Is, is it also hard? Like if you write a book that's autobiographical or semi-autobiographical, is it hard to, if you get criticism for that book, is it hard to not take that as sort of personal criticism about yourself because it's your story? Oh, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's hard. Um, like with Friends with Boys too, like I, I actually got an extremely harsh review on that book where someone just like was deeply offended by um, how I portrayed homeschoolers. Like there's a scene in that book where uh, the main character, Maggie, is talking with a friend of hers, uh, a girl called Lucy. And Lucy's basically like, like kind of kind of being a little bit rude like in in kind of an just kind of an innocent way and you know asking kind of like invasive questions about homeschooling and it's like oh you know you were homeschooled oh that's weird you know like um you seem so normal mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing and that was actually somewhat a question that a friend had asked me in high school you know they she'd come up to me and you know been like oh you were homeschooled but you seem so normal you know that kind of thing so this was a scene that was based on my own experience um and someone was like extremely offended by that scene and was like, you know, like this author is making fun of homeschoolers and how dare she and et cetera. And it was like, this is my own experience. Yeah. You know, like if this offends you, I'm sorry, but you know, this was something that happened to me. And I feel like this was also, you know, a, a part of the story that I wanted sure. to portray in this way. So sure. I don't know. I mean, with that kind of stuff, it's like, there's nothing you can do. Like you have, once you make a book and you send it out into the world, like you hope for a good response, but it's like, you have no control over people's response to the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people who want to get into the comics industry, they have this dream of working for the big two and the top tier books. You know, they mm -hmm. get into the industry because they want to either write or draw Batman or the Avengers. Mm -hmm. um, you're obviously, you've consciously chosen a different path. You know, you're not mm -hmm. the superhero person. Um, but do you think that that dream of, you know, I'm, I'm going to write Batman someday or I'm going to draw Iron Man, is, is that a realistic dream for people who are just starting out, do you think? Um, I mean, it's a very specific dream. Um, I, I, I guess it depends on your skills. You yeah. Know, if you're a great writer and, you know, like you really get Batman, then sure, that's totally a realistic dream. Yeah. You know, and it's the same if you're a great artist and you like you get Batman. Um, then yeah, of course. I, I think that's, you know, people get hired by the big two all the time. And um, yeah, if that's your dream, go for it Dude. by all means. Uh, that was, I mean, for me, it's like, it's like what you said, like I've taken a different path and like I've had, I've had the opportunity to possibly work for Marvel or DC and it's like, um, the schedule hasn't really worked out, you know, right now, the past couple of years, I've just been really busy with creator owned stuff. And I feel like I really need to focus on that. Mm. Um, I think it's like, I mean, it's kind of weird. This, Sorry, I'm just going to ramble a bit. This has kind of been on my mind because it's like you reach a point in your comics career where it's like if you're lucky, you get to choose, right? Like you get to choose your own path. Um, 
and, you know, like my choice was, was to do the nameless city. You know, I decided I, w- I didn't want to pursue a, a career in, um, yeah, in working for, you know, working on corporate, corporate comic, uh, jobs. Um, and that, that's just my choice, you know, and it's like someone else in my position would have chosen differently. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it will pay off. Uh, I've heard, I've heard working in creator owned comics as like buying a lottery ticket, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, if you hit it big, you know, you've got that lottery ticket and you could be Raina Telgemeier or yeah. you could be Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, I would really like to be those guys, but at yeah. the same time, it's like, you don't know. Right. Exactly. So it's always, it's always scary to say no to jobs. So I don't know. That's something that I really struggle with as you know, the, the publishing of my book is like a week and two weeks and a half, two and a half weeks away. And it's like, did I make the right choice? I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's also you get to a point. I would imagine you get to a point in your career where you just look back on what you've done, and you, you know, if you're if you're proud of that, mm-hmm. you know, and because if they're creator owned, not only one do you own them, but it's mm-hmm. also you know you determine what happens with those characters and with that story. And if you're going to end up writing for Marvel or DC, often you're just a cog in the wheel. Even if you're the main writer on the book, you kind of have to go with whatever the event is, you know, or you, oh, yeah. you know, the yeah. story might not even be your call at all. You just, here's the story, you write the, the specific script. So I think that the potential is still there to look back on and be like, yeah, I wrote for Marvel and not necessarily be as proud of it as you might be as if you had done something like Nameless City, which was completely yeah. your own creation from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a couple books out from Marvel and DC right now that I really like. Like, I, I love Miss Marvel. Mm. Um, I love uh, Squirrel Girl. Mm. And, you know, I really love Gotham Academy. And it's like, those books are very appealing to me. And, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, yeah, maybe. You know, like, if I, if I could do something like that, that would be amazing. But then it's like, how rare are those books? Yeah. You know? Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, it's just something I think about a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I've never... I haven't worked within that corporate culture, so I don't really know how well I would fit there. Um, at this point, it's like, it's definitely a schedule thing, you know, sure. like I'm just the, the timing hasn't worked out. You know, I've been offered a couple different jobs and it was just like, like, I'm sorry guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you want something in like three months and you know, my schedule is like just yeah. so insane right now. So anyway, I mean, maybe down the road, I don't yeah. know. I wasn't asking why aren't you doing it. I was just thinking, you know, as somebody who's in the industry, whether you thought that that was a realistic dream for somebody who's who had that dream. You yeah. Know, to say like, that's oh, yeah. it. I just want to work for the big two. Like, I, if that's what you want to do, yeah. then go for it. You yeah. know, like, I I mean, I actually think it's really great that there's so many different ways that you can make a living in comics right now. You know, like, I think that's really important. Absolutely. There's people online who do very well for themselves doing web comics or doing self-publishing and, you know, kickstarting their books. And then there's some, you know, that do the more traditional route and, you know, go and work for the big two. And then there's other people who do creator own stuff, you know, like I do, like working for First Second or mm-hmm. working for Dark Horse or something like that. And yeah. I think like I think that's great, you know, and I think we need like more development of more avenues to to yeah. make a living in comics because that's the sign of a healthy industry. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I know we're coming up on time. I just have a couple quick questions for you. Yeah. Um, sure. I read that you're a big fan of Lloyd Alexander's, oh, yeah. especially the Predane books. I love them. I'm currently oh, awesome. reading, I'm reading them to my daughter now. So she's oh, fantastic. Good. Yeah, they're great. Um, so I have to ask, it was uh any thoughts about the news that Disney has just announced that they're going to make new films from the books? 
Oh yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, like I actually just I, I listened to them in audiobook, but just mm-hmm. while I was finishing up penciling Nameless City Two, um, yeah, I listened to the entire series on audiobook, and man, they're still great, yeah. you know. And I I would actually really like to see like a really solid live action adaptation of them. Um, I think they're great stories and like they're classics of children children's literature and yeah for sure it's just it's like i mean you always worry because i don't know hollywood just (laughs) hollywood is just kind of like exhausting nowadays you know like everything is a tentpole and it's like everything is like serious business you know like Mm -hmm. every young adult adaptation is like so intense and like so dark and I don't know, like there's a lot of darkness in those books, but then there's a lot of humor and a lot of, you know, like lovely character yeah. stuff. And yeah. I, I don't know, like I'm in- interested to see what Disney does with uh, the live action Wrinkle in Time. Like, yes. I think that will be really interesting. They've hired good talent. Um, was it Jennifer Lee, I think, is writing it. And um, the director is Ava. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she directed Selma, right? Okay. So Oscar nominated director, which is great, you know? Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know they have, they have the talent there. So I guess we'll see, but yeah, Yeah. I, I'd like to see like a cool live action. I would too. I'm one of the few people who actually like the animated film. I recognize that it was was a mess. It was not true to the books. It was kind of a disaster of a film, but I still love it. And it's probably just all nostalgia, you know, but I still really like it. And so I found that like, since they announced this, I've been having to defend it. You know, not just not just that animated movie, but like the story in general. You know, it's like this is a story that really (laughs) does need to be told and it hasn't been told in the right way and i think yeah you know i'm, I'm hopeful that it's it's it, yeah, this is its time too. like it's like i don't really think it's fair to like hate to dismiss that mo- or not to dismiss but i don't think it's fair to be really harsh towards that movie because it's like it came at a really bad time yeah. for disney you know like their animation and indus- the animation industry was just you know like in dire straits and yeah. mm-hmm. like it I don't know. There was a lot of extenuating circumstances that made that movie the mess that it was, you know, like I've seen it a few times and it's like, it's not great, but you know, there's good stuff in it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I don't really think it's fair to be like, well, Disney did this before and they did a horrible job when it's like, (laughs) the movie's like what, 30 years old. And you know, like there's, it's, it's not the same people, you know, like, same people will not be making this new movie so yeah i don't know like because yeah i got some when i tweeted about it i got some responses like that too you know like oh we've been burned before but it's like come on guys yeah <laughs> and you know they've disney is also setting up a pretty solid track record of late you know they've they've done right mostly by marvel and star wars and the muppets and yeah. i think that you know they haven't really given fans of any of those properties real reason to grumble too loudly no. um so yeah hopeful I'm hopeful. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. Sure. Um, I know you had just mentioned um, right before we started uh, that you just finished up the art for the second book. Mm-hmm. You're going to start doing working on the third book pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that you're sort of knee-deep, if not deeper, in that. But I also know that you're going to be working with Rainbow Roll on a book yes. for first second. Is there anything that you're able to talk about for that? Uh, there isn't really much to say, to be honest. Like, we have a story idea, um, but there isn't a script yet. So she's just, like, super busy. Yeah, you both are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So now, you know, like, hopefully, hopefully soon there will be some news. I don't know. 
Uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to see that as well. She, you know, she's one of my favorite authors and you know, it's going to be a real honor to work with her. I'm really excited about that book, but yeah, sure. like I have no news. For <laughs> sure. But that's okay. I had to ask though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? Um, and with the, I think this episode is actually going to be dropping on the day that the book releases. Okay. Um, but you know, where can people buy it? What, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so Nameless City will be out April 5th, I believe, and you can get it anywhere books are sold. Um, people always ask, what's the best place to buy? And I say, support your local comic store, your local bookstore. Um, that's what's best for, for books and for authors. So please do that. Um, as for me, I'll be touring across the States and Canada and doing a bunch of different conventions, uh, through April and May. Um, I haven't posted my schedule yet, but I will this week. So I'll be posting that to Tumblr and my, my, my website. My website is faithairnhicks.com. Uh, my Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram are all faithairnhicks. So you can find me online at all four of those places. Awesome. awesome. And we will link to those when we put the, uh, the episode up as well. Faith, Great, thank, thank, you. thank you so much for your time. This has been hey, no problem. Amazing. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Well, that's it for this week on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. That was such a fun interview, and I was delighted, tickled even, to tickled. hear to hear her mention my home comic shop that that yeah. she she has frequented. She knows Cal the owner. She said she was from Halifax, so I assumed that's the game in town there. It's, the, it's a really neat comic shop here on the East Coast, and I'm just going to shout them out because they're my home comic shop. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I love going to – whenever I travel, I like to do that too. I like to just stop in at the local store and see right. – I mean, a lot of comic shops are very similar, obviously, mm -hmm. but they each have their own character. Um, and so I do. I like to I'm a nerd that way. I like to just go check out of the course. local shops and see yeah. what's there. No, it's always about. fun. Yeah. So um, do, do we have a test or were you just teasing? <laughs> I was just I, teasing. I got, a, I got a whole bunch of notes here. <laughs> I will get one for you. No. Okay. I You're probably send won't. it to me? You, you just wait for it. Wait for that email. Okay. <laughs> so once again, guys, thank you so much for coming by week after week. Thank you for hitting subscribe. Thank you for downloading. And it really means a lot to us when you tweet to us and let us know that you're listening. And, you know, it's just, it's a great feeling. <laughs> and we love bringing this to you. We work hard. So it's, you know, it's apparent, I think, that how much we love when you uh, talk to us. Yeah. We love it. We love you. Keep it coming. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the GBB podcast, facebook.com slash the GBB podcast. I am Justin at 140 Justin C. I am Jamie at the Roarbots. <laughs> the Roarbots. That's Roarbots. an awesome name. Hey, thanks. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.